0: Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. Hello Ivy Church. Hello Ivy Church. Welcome to Ivy Church. Gamma jamma. Karaboni karnisani Ivy Church. Good to see you. Welcome to Ivy Church. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Welcome to our year of transformation, and today we're going to be starting out looking at a passage from the book of James, chapter 1. I want to draw your attention to a portion of scripture I think is going to be foundational for us as we start this off in our year of transformation at Ivy, and a great encouragement to you. It's in the first chapter of James, James chapter 1, and I want us to consider verses 22 to 25. But be doers of the word, not hearers only It doesn't just tell me what God is like, it reflects us too. It's the only book that when you read it, it's reading you. God wants us to know him. He wants to guide us. He wants to lead us. And we find all of that inside the pages of the Bible. And as we hear his word and obey his word, the Holy Spirit uses his word to transform us. And that's why we preach his supernatural word rather than just aim to give our own thoughts or some commentary. James here gives a very simple lesson on how scripture does that when God wants to teach us something. You may hear God speak to you through dreams, words of knowledge, through prophecies, various different ways, but if you wanna clearly hear God speak to you more and more this year, if you wanna know him better and for him to lead and guide you more this year than ever before, if you really want him to transform your life, look in the mirror, look in his mirror, open your Bible more and he will speak more. What does he say about your attitude when you read it? Because you could just get on some plan and not really be changed by it unless we do it with obedience and action and putting it into practice. This says God wants doers, not just hearers, or it's, it's useless. So it shouldn't be the case, but the longer you've been a Christian perhaps, the more this can become a problem if you're not really careful. We're talking about habits at the start of this year, and it will be a really bad habit, a dangerous habit in fact, to get used to hearing the word of God even to look intently, as it says, that means you know, doing some deep study where you focus on the Greek words or the history or theological arguments about it without obeying it, doing nothing about it and going away the same. How often do we do that if we're honest? See, God does speak because he wants doers, not just hearers. You know what a doer is? The dictionary says, doer is one who does something an active, energetic person who performs an action, who executes. So are you a doer? It's a noun, not a verb. Like if you were a builder, you'd build something. If you're a teacher, they don't say you're one who teaches, they call you a teacher. And if you're a true believer, you're a doer. It's who you are because of what you do, because of what you believe. Doer is a favorite word of James. Three times he uses it in this text, And once again in chapter 4, not just hearers sitting and listening, you receive the promise, the privilege and the purpose. You believe this is the word of God. So I'm reading as if God is speaking to me and that shows up in my actions. Otherwise, we end up deluded, deceiving yourselves, he says. You're kidding yourself that you're a Christian, but nothing really changes in my life. And when that happens, it's not God's fault. And it's not the Bible's fault, it's my attitude to his word that makes the difference. In 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13, Paul writes to this church and he says, For this reason we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you received it, not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God which also performs its work in you who believe. How does it work? There's a way the word works in you, and the way it works and how much God works in you is decided by how do you receive the word? What's the Bible to you? See, it's no use if it's just sitting on a shelf somewhere, or you just don't sit up and pay attention, and, and therefore you, you don't mind the depths of its wisdom and build your faith and see what God wants it to do in your life because you're not focused like that. This is the world's bestseller. Have you read it? Do you read it? I've read this whole thing more than 30 times and I feel like I'm only just beginning to dig out a little bit of its treasures. The Bible's been under increasing attack for the last few hundred years. Many people, even within the church now, have come to speak against whether the Bible really is the word of God. It always starts by asking the same question the serpent asked right at the beginning. Did God really say Know where that leads that saying, is this really the word of God? Or is, is this even a, a word of God that we can trust about God? There's a growing movement to do away with the Bible, to disregard it, downgrade it or update it so we can change it rather than have it presume to change us. And to the extent this movement succeeds, wherever it does, anarchy will rule and the church will die in decline. Though the supposed replacement for the word of God is the word of man, that all you need is love, so do whatever you feel, do whatever you want to do. When I open the Bible, I see that God is love and he loves the world and creation shows me. God must be powerful to make all of this, but he doesn't tell me how I can know him personally. I talk about that in our little course and my booklet, Knowing, Growing, Going. If you've not done that yet, however long you've been at Ivy, Please check it out because I think what I wrote there and the videos you watch with it will help anybody searching for God or aiming to know him even closer. You're going to discover that he's come looking for you. The Bible is actually a love story that tells me God is personal, purposeful and passionately in love with people. He made us to know him and love him back. And Somebody says, well, why doesn't he just... Show himself then. Well, the Bible says God has revealed himself in his son, Jesus Christ. Most of what we know about him comes from the Bible. So this is how we come to know him more and more. The Bible was written by 40 writers over a period of 1600 years in 66 books. It's a library really, but the great theme from one end to the other is God's saving, transforming, redeeming love to the lost and fallen human race. Jesus coming to the rescue to bring us back to our Father. It's all about Jesus and the supernatural community that he's forming and calling us into. Through the years, it's been burned and banned, ridiculed and refuted, denied and destroyed. But its truth lives on. Most books are born, live a few years, then are forgotten. But Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And it's true. It's true. The Bible is holy. It's the word of God. That's what we teach at Ivy Church. That if I don't understand it yet, that doesn't stop me believing and doing what I do understand. And if I think it's wrong, I'm wrong. Because the Bible is God's word to us. It's not just inspiring in places, but inspired in full. Because behind it, human writers were working, but the the Holy Spirit was moving and guiding and helping them communicate exactly what God wanted them to say. It's god breathed. That's what it claims for itself. That's why I believe it. That's what I do with God's word. I believe it. I believe what it says. It's written for believing. Then I do what it says. So now in an area of exponential increase of messages and words, the Bible's prophecies, Poems and prose still stand as the word of God and when I read it I see his word coming true in our day and in my life and these words help me understand what time I'm living in better than any news agency or social media could because it's not just the words of men. It comes alive in my life like that. I read the other day, in Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, written 500 years before Christ, it says, in the last days, global travel will increase and knowledge will increase. Look it up for yourself. I look at the world right now, I've been alive 58 years, both those things have increased. We're told this is the knowledge economy, the information age, but where is wisdom to be found? Wisdom about how to live, about why I'm alive. What's the point? What's the purpose? What should I do with my life? Great question. Where is wisdom to be found? Google it. I did when I was preparing this talk. You could do it too. Guess what came up as the top answer on the Google search? I was amazed by this. It was a complete surprise. But as I typed in, where is wisdom to be found? I scrolled down. And just keep rolling and rolling and every answer. The first 25 answers at least come from the Bible. From the book of Job, chapter 28, verse 12. But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Google can't tell you the answer, but God can. God can tell you the answer. And he says, it's right here in the Bible. Last year I visited the Billy Graham Training Institute and when I was there I read about a time in the great evangelist's life when he started to really struggle with doubts, particularly about the Bible. He'd made the decision to follow Jesus many years before. He was working out that. was. He, he, He was even in ministry telling people about the Lord. But one of his best friends, a guy called Charles Templeton, went to Princeton and when he was there at university he ditched his faith in scripture. Templeton said he didn't believe the Bible could be trusted anymore and academia was going to be the best hope for humanity. He started to wear Billy down with loads of questions that were meant to undermine his faith too. And he came to such a point that Billy Graham booked a retreat alone to study. He later wrote in his autobiography of one night when he he kept seeing the phrase pop up in the old King James Version. Thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. Now, he said that he'd accepted in his head the authority of scripture, but he said this became like the turning point as he realised in his heart that God's word is divinely inspired, eternal and powerful. He walked out into the woods and he set his Bible on a stump, more an altar than a pulpit for him at that time. And he cried out, oh God, there are so many things in this book that I don't understand. There are many problems with it for which I have no solution. There are some areas in it that do not seem to correlate with modern science. I can't answer some of the philosophical and psychological questions that Chuck and others are raising. Then he fell to his knees, and the Holy Spirit moved in him as he said, Father, I'm going to accept this as thy word by faith. I'm going to allow faith to go beyond my intellectual questions and doubts and I will believe this to be your inspired word." And there in his autobiography he wrote, as he stood up with his eyes stinging with tears, he felt the power and presence of God and that a major bridge had been crossed. Next day he went and spoke at a meeting and 400 people made a commitment to Christ. Everything changed from then. He became a world changer because he discovered how God transforms us When we believe his word and put it into action. When any of us are like the Thessalonians who accept the Bible, not as the words of men, but as it really is, the word of God to you and me and put it into practice. That's when I'm not just going to be a hearer of the word. I get to do what it says. I believe what it says and I do what it says. I believe what it says God can do and I see him do it in my life. Last week I said that every year at Ivy I pray and I ask the Lord if he's got a particular word for us. And this year's word for the year actually comes right out of his word in Romans 12. We've got these cards to give you. You could put it in your Bible maybe as a bookmark or get a modern translation so you can understand it. I like the New Living Translation or the New International Version, for instance. And in the New Testament... I really want you to believe this is God's personal word to you and to me today is that the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12, verse two. We read it here in the word of God. He's saying it. He's saying this to you and me. There's a negative command and a positive instruction that will transform your whole life. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Now we get this all mixed up because we get the order wrong. I want to figure out what I'm meant to do with my life. Everybody wants that. What am I meant to do with my career or relationships? Everybody's always trying to figure that out, with or without God. And there are thousands of messages, loads of information, knowledge supposedly, bombarding me about all those questions. You woke up this morning, it starts, as soon as I open my phone, if I start to scroll through, and here's more opinions, more ideologies. But where is wisdom to be found? Where do I get wisdom? How should I live wisely? How can I know what God wants, what's his perfect will for me? Well, if you break down even this tiny portion of God's powerful, inspired word, you're going to see, I could spend hours looking into it and never exhaust it. But just notice, it doesn't start with how to know God's will. And it's not automatic that you will. It says that wisdom to direct my life comes as the third thing, as a result of a process, after doing two other things. A negative command, a positive instruction or command, and that leads to a supernatural result. The negative command could actually start with the word stop. Number one, do not conform or stop being changed. Stop being fashioned by what? To what? By the schemes of this fallen world, world, literally this fallen age. That's just shifting sand. What's right today is going to be wrong tomorrow. What's wrong today will be right tomorrow by the standards of this passing age. So I've got to stop being shaped or literally having it stamped upon me, the ideas, the influences of this age's way of thinking and acting. Don't be seduced and shaped and stamped by this world system to become just like it and like everybody else. Be a non-conformist. Live an alternative life. Do not conform to the pattern of this age, this world, this worldview, the supernatural spiritual system whose architect is Satan, who uses its ethics, standards, morality and what it applauds to promote his goals, his aims, his ends and his rule in the nations and in people's lives. The enemy who wants to program us to be anxious and fearful or stuck in greed or addictions, committing spiritual adultery and dead in trespasses and sins rather than living for God. The verb there, do not be conformed, is in the passive voice. That means something is happening to you through sights and songs and screens. The world and the dark spirit of the age is actively, continually moulding us. The sentence also contains an imperative, a command. So we have to choose to obey and do something differently. Do not be conformed. Do not. And the positive command is, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is our year of transformation. So I really want us to get this because the only way we get to know and live out that end result, to know the joy of, of knowing, I'm doing what is God's pleasing and perfect will for me in 2024 and for the rest of your life is when he completely changes your inward thinking in a way that it transforms your outward behavior. See, God transforms my life as he renews my mind. We've seen that the world wants to shape you and change you and conform you to be the way it wants you to be. You know that's true. But so does God. Who's going to win? Who's going to be successful? The answer may not be easy, but it is simple. What you focus on gets bigger. What you feed grows. What you don't feed shrinks and dies. So, question. What's your diet like? I mean mentally and spiritually. What are you consuming? You know it's true physically. There are foods that look great and may taste good in the moment, but over time they're sugar-coated, processed, addictive poison. They're killing people all the time, over time. But it's not too late for any of us this year to change and improve our diet. I'm talking here specifically about our spiritual diet. And if we do that, we will see God transforming our lives. How? by renewing your mind. Change your habits, change your life. Change your spiritual diet. Over time, you'll be being transformed. What you feed grows. The enemy of your soul is constantly using the world system to seduce us with lies and deception about what is ultimately gonna satisfy and fulfill your deepest longings. And the way into that deepest place of your heart is your mind. So the most important decision I make every day is what will I allow to go in? to my mind through what I see and what I hear and the words I use. God says, I have to stop being conformed by the world's lies and choose instead, moment by moment, to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. That word transformation comes from the Greek word, you're gonna know, metamorphosis. Meta means with and morphosis means to change. Metamorphosis is that process of transformation from the inside out. The little green hairy insect crawls up the branch it goes into a new environment into a cocoon and over time in there this process happens and out flies the beautiful butterfly the same word is used in mark chapter 9 in the new testament where it says one day jesus took his three closest followers peter james and john up a mountain and it says jesus was transfigured before them It doesn't say a bright light shone upon him from heaven, it says that brilliance of heaven shone from him, shone out of him. How can heaven rather than hell change me and transform me so I shine as a light for God? Well, one way at Ivy, we're all going to focus on this, so this really is a supernatural community, it's all about Jesus. This environment we want to make to change us so we're more and more like Jesus, it's on those cards with the memory verse, Romans 12, 2, that we looked at last week. Don't give up on that, keep doing it. The way we live this new life out, the way God transforms your life and mine is spelled B-I-O. And we don't want to be those people who hear the word and delude ourselves by doing nothing about it. So here's what we're going to do. See, we don't. We wanna be transformed, don't we, from glory to glory. We wanna change the world, not be conformed to it, and the letters B-I-O provide the how of a transformed life for you and me. It's not just a wish. It's not just a hope or a resolution that I do. See, it works from the inside out over time to transform the life of anybody who will do this, because when you change your habits, when you change your diet, your life will change for sure. And this describes three keystone habits on how you live as an authentic disciple of Jesus. How are you doing about each of them? What are you doing in each of them? Bio means life and bio is an environment, a set of habits and it's a diet. It's easy to remember too. So B is living, I live before God daily. That means I choose to put God first. First thing in the morning in our house when Zoe's alarm goes off for us, it's a worship song. And then God invites me to hear from him personally through reading his word and talking with him intimately in prayer. So I start out the day, just a few moments enjoying his presence and I'm saying, Lord, I put you first today and I know the world wants to bombard me and stamp me and shape me and so I conform to the world but I want to stop now and I'm going to have spiritual food before consuming anything else. I wake up hungry to receive your wisdom and and presence and direction as I follow your will. See, if you read the biographies of great Christians throughout history, anybody who's changed the world for good and for God, it's a common denominator that you find. They all met with God at the start of the day and continually took some time to do it again throughout the day. That's what it is, to live before God. God. You say you're busy, well, I'm busy too, but we do a Bible in the year plan every year. This last year, previous year, we went on the free Bible app and followed the Bible project plan. It's got some amazing videos on there too. Or if you say, look, I really haven't got time. Why not sign up to just do the New Testament this year? It's like a a chapter a day. If you tell me you're too busy for that, well, you're too busy to follow Jesus. And what you don't feed dies. We get full on what doesn't satisfy, doing and consuming stuff and filling our time with stuff that's nowhere as important. And over time, your spiritual diet will show up in every area of your life, not immediately, but later and greater. It's like if I eat five donuts today, you probably wouldn't notice, but give me a month or so on that. How will I feel? How will I look? Everybody will notice. We want the best. you, We want the best for every one of us at Ivy, and that's to live before God every day this year. No physical food before spiritual food, that's a way to remember it. And pause to pray throughout the day. We'll talk about the next two in more detail again as time's up, but this daily transformation, this life before God, leads to living I in community weekly. Because that's what God wants us to work out this in our week. God wants you and me to personally connect in secure relationships that provide love, support, transparency, challenge and accountability. And this is with just a few people that you grow to know and trust as you share life deeply with it. I wanna challenge you, who are your Peter, James and John who are gonna see you transform as well to be more like Jesus this year? And we really wanna encourage everybody to be in a small group. We call them Grow Group. Sign up today, try one or two out and then Whatever it's like, commit to be part of one right up to summer. So you're a doer, not just a hearer of this transformed life. And finally, that transformed life is one that means, oh, I'm living on mission for Jesus. Oh, is on mission 24-7. This is where, as a follower of Jesus, rather than being changed by the world, we are transformed by the word When we go and make a difference in the world, in the power of the Spirit, is living ready and able to be used for kingdom purposes and assignments, bringing Jesus' love and hope for others through acts of service, sacrifice and sharing. and Living out that plan and perfect world God's got for you and me. At the start of this year, if this is going to make any difference for you, you have to make a commitment and a decision. I'm going to be a doer of the word. See, as a church, we can only do so much for you. It's like you can't blame the personal trainer if you never go to the gym and and don't do what they say, and you decide, well, I'm I'm actually gonna go with a donut diet instead. We believe this is so important for everybody in our supernatural community that's all about Jesus. We are hammering this message to get this to all Ivy people in multiple ways until everybody gets it. I want us to pray it, decide it, declare it, and most importantly, God wants us to do it. Then when we see it, we'll all celebrate it because bio really is a transformed life worth living.